Today is the 15th of February, 2011, and this is the 59th podcast in a series of poorly numbered podcasts of the QuackCast. Your award-winning, yes, award-winning, I have won Best Health Podcast two years in a row, and it's safe to say I couldn't have done it without you. Well, I probably could have done it without you, but I couldn't have won without you. Anyway, let's move on to this particular QuackCast. It's entitled The Vaccine Council of Vaccination. This is my science-based medicine blog, repurposed, as they say, as a podcast. There's just so many hours in the day, and I quite enjoyed writing this particular SBM entry, so I thought I'd turn it into a QuackCast. So let us begin, shall we? I always hated Stephen Gould's non-overlapping magisteria. I loathe the concept. As if one aspect of culture could be separate from and not answerable to reality. However, there may be something to the concept, as there certainly seems to be two approaches to medicine, and they are non-overlapping. I am not certain the two approaches are even in the same universe. One approach to medicine is reality-based, where understanding of the world is seen through the lens of science, and as the science evolves, so does the understanding of reality. One of the things that characterizes this approach is, in part, an understanding of cognitive errors and logical fallacies, and the insight of understanding that these cognitive errors and fallacies apply to themselves as much as they apply to others. Skeptics and science-based medicine practitioners attempt to live in this magisteria. The other approach is opinion-based, where reality is fixed and the objective data ignored or warped to fit preconceived notions as to how the world should be. Cognitive errors and logical fallacies are the foundation of this worldview, and as practitioners behave as if the concepts of cognitive errors and logical fallacies do not apply to them. This is the not-so-majestic magisteria of much of Alt-Med. It is two worldviews that do not and cannot talk to each other, since neither one understands the language of the other. I, for example, cannot understand arguments based on information that has been repeatedly disproved, yet still promulgated as fact. The creationist viewpoint is an example of arguments using information years after the information has been discredited. I cannot wrap my head around deliberately misusing information that runs contrary to my current understanding of how the world works. I was raised to have a respect for and a fidelity to the truth. A far better description of this dichotomy can be found in The Panic Virus by Seth, probably pronounced Mnookin, M-N-O-O-K-I-N. I am about halfway through the book right now and I cannot recommend it highly enough. Now, the International Medical Council on Vaccine, with the probably not intentionally ironic motto, critical thinking for a critical dilemma, released a position paper recently entitled, Vaccines, Get the Full Story, Doctors, Nurses, and Scientists on Protecting Your Child and Yourself, with 83 signatories with various initials after their names. 83. It seems like a lot of people, but the numbers really are not that impressive. After all, there are 800,000 physicians in the United States, so that represents 
0.006% of physicians, about 0.0004% of PhDs, piled higher and deeper, out of about 2.5 million, and 0.00017% of nurses, out of 2.9 million. Not a ringing majority of the medical industrial complex. It is a fringe on the medical Surrey. They note at the beginning that, quote, MD, DO, MB, MBBCH all indicate doctor of medicine. ND, not a doctor, indicates a medically trained and licensed doctor in some areas. FNP indicates a family nurse practitioner. And they leave out, interestingly enough, the explanation of what DC is. I suppose even the International Medical Council on Vaccination feels that DCs are not really doctors and do not want to call attention to the fact. Now, I always think of comic books when I think DC. I was never a Marvel kind of kid. Of course, these are all courageous mavericks, including a brain surgeon. I should pause here to note that I am an arrogant internist and that there seems to be a certain sympathetic magic associated with brain surgeons, as if people who work on brains, therefore have bigger, more high-powered brains, don't get an internal medicine subspecialist started on surgical subspecialists. I'll just lose my referral base. Anyway, they include a brain surgeon with a Galileo-like understanding of the truth, big T, and they are fighting against a corrupt and blind authority who are protecting their turf at the expense of you and your children. As an aside, I always find it odd when Galileo is used as an example. And I just realized it's his first name that's Galileo. In that respect, he was like Cher or the Donald. Hmm, a man ahead of his time. Galileo was a man of science oppressed by the irrational and the superstitious. Today, he, Galileo, not the Donald, is used by the irrational and the superstitious who say they are being oppressed by science. So 1984, so Animal Farm. I prefer to quote Arthur Schopenhauer. All vaccination truth passes through three stages. First, it is based upon feelings instead of reality. Second, it is opposed by the rationally inclined. And third, the more complete the information that falsifies it, the more vehemently it is embraced as self-evident. Or something like that. I don't know. I'm using Bing for my search engine this week. Then, with no references to the primary literature, the Vaccine Council of Vaccination proceeds with their critical thinking for a critical dilemma. And my God, where are sarcasm HTL tags when you need them? Quote, These are some of the diseases that have been documented associated with vaccines. End quote. A laundry list follows. Now, are any of the diseases on the list been shown to be caused by vaccines? No. Association, as we repeat over and over again, is not causation. Although, in fairness, I'm pretty convinced that the decline in pirates is not only associated with global heating, it is the cause of global heating. Or is it contrarywise? For if it was so, it might be. And if it were so, it would be. But as it isn't, it ain't. That's logic. Praise be to the flying spaghetti monster. The list is interesting, and I quasi-randomly picked sudden infant death syndrome to PubMed, since there are a few things as scary if you're a new parent as worrying about SIDS. 
in my reality-based understanding of vaccines and SIDS, there is an association. They did a meta-analysis of all the studies that looked at the association between SIDS and vaccines and found, quote, immunizations are associated with having the risk of SIDS, not having the disease, but cutting it in half. Language is always peculiar. Cancer is also on the list. And again, there is an association. The HPV vaccine is used to decrease the risk of cervical cancer and the hepatitis B vaccine to decrease the risk of hepatocellular carcinoma. Of course, I'm assuming here that the Vaccine Council of Vaccination means a beneficial association, but that is not stated explicitly. I was surprised to find the Vaccine Council of Vaccination trumpeting the benefits of vaccination and, oh, wait, I misunderstand. They imply vaccines cause SIDS and cancer. That's different. Is there data to support that assertion? None that I can find. Maybe the Vaccine Council of Vaccination's motto should really be, I reject your reality and substitute my own. Or maybe there is no reality but what we make for ourselves. Sarah Connor had it almost right. They include autoimmune and allergic diseases. Data? Nope. If you generate a list of diseases, unreferenced and unsupported by the literature that you attribute to vaccines, then what could be more worrisome and frightening than what follows on the list? Quote, and many, many more. Unquote. Not just one many, but two. Two many's. That's not T-O-O-M-A-N-Y, but T-W-O-M-A-N-Y, English. If you Google many in vaccine, there are 16 million hits. If you Google many, many more in vaccine, you get a quarter of a million hits. That's an incredible association between vaccines and many, many more. Now that is the kind of compelling argument that I find convincing. No more vaccinations for me and mine. They follow with another list, this time of vaccine side effects. After the first list, eh, I'm not so confident of the rigor used to generate the document. I will never say that vaccines are 100% safe. Nothing is. Life is, as I understand it, about relative risks. Seatbelts and airbags kill people every year. I still want my car equipped with both. Nothing is perfect, and it is an issue of the relative risk of what you do. An accident without seatbelts is far more likely to cause morbidity and mortality than an accident with them. Life without vaccines is likely to have more potential morbidity and mortality with 250,000 kids injured each year in car accidents and approximately 2,000 dying from their injuries, your best bet, if you really want to prevent vaccine-associated injury, is to not let people drive their kids to the doctors for the vaccine. Their biggest risk is in transportation. Now, few aspects of medicine offer as much benefit for as little risk as vaccination. But people do not remember the plagues of the past and pay little attention to the outbreaks of the present unless it directly affects them and theirs. I understand that. Who cares if children are dying of pertussis in California, dying of measles in Africa, being paralyzed by polio in Nigeria? As the poet said, every anti-vax is an island entire of itself. No child's death diminishes me because I am uninvolved in mankind. And therefore... Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. 
It's none of my concern. John Dunn. Or something like that. Again, my searches are not quite working right with Bing this week. Is fainting a side effect? Sure. Kidney failure requiring dialysis? Now, they say that these side effects are, quote, documented in the medical literature and or in package inserts, end quote. But I can't find the reference that a vaccine side effect is renal failure. The best I could come up with was an underwhelming reference that demonstrated someone who got a vaccine subsequently developed renal failure, but given the lack of documentation by the counseling vaccine of vaccination, it's hard to know. It's probably out there somewhere since the Vaccine Council of Vaccination would not make up data, right? More worrisome is the, quote, many common diagnoses given for hospital admissions, end quote. Hmm. I combine that with vaccine and there are 3,350,000 Google hits. Although which package insert and which reference in the medical literature is demonstrating that vaccines cause many common diagnosis given for hospital admissions is, of course, not clarified in the text. They're not good with the footnotes. I think, however, if they put the primary literature as references, it would soon be realized that they don't know what they're talking about. Being obscure is to their benefit, as reality doesn't match their reality. I am shocked they did not mention that vaccines are associated with hip fractures. Really? 3% of children get a fracture every year, and most of those children are vaccinated. The Amish, who do not get vaccinated, have less fractures. Coincidence? I think not. Maybe I should write for the Vaccine Council of Vaccination. Then, the Vaccine Council of Vaccination says autism is associated with vaccines. And point to 14studies.org, which Dr. Gorski, Dr. Novella, and myself have discussed on the Science-Based Medicine blog before. The approach of 14 studies can best be summarized in one critique, he says in air quotes. We gave this study our highest score because it appears to actually show the MMR contributes to higher autism rates, end quote. So, if a study agrees with their position, it defines a good study. That is a bass-ackwards approach to the medical literature, but telling nonetheless. It is a world where belief determines facts, not facts determining belief. But I am not swayed by such incisive analyses as, quote, what is it with Eric Fonbone in pediatrics? And, quote, Fonbone again. I'm probably mispronouncing his names. Maybe it's Fonbon. Looks kind of French. Anyway, they link him to a paper that he is not even the author of. Seriously. Their critique is basically that this author is a bad guy, but he didn't even write the paper in question. They're not particularly picky about their facts. Still, I pointed that out a year ago, and they still haven't made the appropriate change. Seriously, if you're going to use guilt by association, at least get your association correct. The Vaccine Council of Vaccination continues with, quote, Drug companies, insurance companies, and the medical system get rich when you get sick, end quote. Well, the first, the drug companies, and the third, the medical system, can make money when you are ill. But insurance companies? I don't know. 
Why do they spend so much time trying to deny coverage? It's an opinion that seems, I don't know, removed from reality. The issue is not that vaccines have almost eradicated numerous childhood diseases for which I could make a healthy living if they existed. The issue is, quote, vaccine side effects make you sick for the rest of your life. Conveniently, there are many drugs to treat the side effects caused by these vaccines, end quote. This odd idea that most medical problems are due to the, quote, zeal to eliminate a short list of relatively benign microbes we have traded temporary illnesses for pervasive, lifelong diseases, disorders, dysfunctions, and disabilities. Four Ds there, alliteration that probably reflects their science GPAs. And the, quote, many, many more, end quote, and the, quote, many common diagnoses given for hospital admissions, end quote, that result from vaccines. Nothing specific, very ominous appearing, totally unsupported by data, and feeding into that peculiar paranoid conspiracy train of thought so common in parts of the world. I have to confess, I also have little appreciation for the conspiratorial mindset. As best I can tell, life is dominated by inadvertent stupidity and randomness mixed with a dollop of greed. One does not need to invoke the Trilateral Commission or Big Pharma machinations, although Big Pharma has machinated enough over the years to earn our distrust. And, as the data would suggest, most doctors either break even or sometimes lose money when they give the childhood vaccine schedule. For hoots and giggles, I googled random names on the list of signatories, and six of the seven were selling products online of an alternative nature books, tapes, herbs and supplements, etc. Now, I do not know if the names of the signatories are the same of the people as I found shilling on the net, but it could be. But he used without sin, dot, dot, dot. Still, later in the paper, they bemoan the conflict of interest of doctors Offit and Gerberding and that of pediatricians. Quote, The average U.S. 10-doctor pediatric group has over one hundred thousand dollars of vaccine inventory in their office to sell. These doctors make money from office visits and giving your child vaccines and also from follow-up office visits for assessing reactions. Now a hundred thousand dollars seems like a lot of money until you figure that for 250 work days a year and a 10 doctor clinic that's forty dollars a day or for an eight-hour work day $5 an hour before taxes and expenses of inventory they have to sell off to their patients. That's less than the minimum wage. Yeah, that's the way to get rich, selling vaccines, not peddling, oh, I don't know, homeopathy herbs and supplements on the internet. Oddly, neither the paper nor the website have a conflict of interest statement that I can find. I wonder... Are the Vaccine Council of Vaccination in the palms of big alternative? Who knows how much money the Vaccine Council of Vaccination are paid by homeopathy preparations and supplement manufacturers? Who knows how many thousands of dollars of herbs, supplements, homeopathic products, books, and videos the members of the Vaccine Council of Vaccination have stocked away to sell for a profit over the Internet? Eh, it's probably nothing since I am sure the signatories are not in it for the money, but for the benefit of their patients, but with no conflict of interest, 
statements, no transparency, it is impossible to say. As you know, in the pursuit of openness, I have two ebooks for sale on my website, but really, I am just using this as an opportunity to show for myself in the guise of openness. Or am I? Go to www.moremark.squarespace.com and purchase Putz Whisperer and the Persiflazer's Annotated Compendium of Infectious Diseases. Ha! Oh, see? I pimp myself. The Vaccination Council of Vaccination then notes, quote, Many doctors and healthcare practitioners do not get vaccinated and do not vaccinate their children, end quote, and declare that healthcare workers do not get vaccinated because they know all the dangers of vaccination. More often than not, the literature would suggest it's laziness and inconvenience that prevents healthcare workers from vaccination, although there is a subset who sign manifestos and whose reasons appear to be a profound and pervasive misunderstanding about vaccinations and their efficacy. Now, there are mavericks who stand up to the status quo, who notice plate tectonics, or that the gravity of the visible mass of the universe is insufficient to hold everything together, or that ulcers are caused by bacteria. Mankind owes a debt of gratitude to those who have extended our knowledge and understanding against the dogma of the day. And then there are those who publicize cold fusion, perpetual motion, water-powered cars. This is the same worldview that writes, quote, Vaccinations are the backbone of the medical system. Without vaccination, healthcare costs would go down because we would have a healthier overall society. We have exchanged chickenpox for autism, flu for asthma, ear infections for diabetes. The list goes on and on. In a zeal to eliminate a short list of relatively benign microbes, we have traded temporary illness for pervasive, lifelong diseases, disorders, dysfunctions, and disabilities. Now, the words are there. I really do understand each word individually. When strung together, they are, when compared against the last hundred years of advances in infectious diseases, science, and medicine, gibberish. That paragraph is as divorced from medical understanding as I've ever seen. Quote Shakespeare, I feel like I am reading a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. Unfortunately, the preceding paragraph was not written by, to continue with my quoting of Shakespeare, a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more, I wish. But anti-vax and irrationality is probably forever. The Vaccine Council of Vaccination continues with, quote, if U.S. children received all doses of all vaccines, they were injected with up to 35 shots that contain 113 different kinds of disease particles, 59 chemicals, four types of animal cells and DNA, human DNA from aborted fetal tissue, and human albumin. Well, vaccines are evidently a step up from Taco Bell beef. Now, some of the cell lines that they used for developing vaccines did come from aborted fetuses 40 years ago, but that makes it sound like they're making aborted fetus smoothies with each and every vaccine to give to our children. I mean, please. As discussed, vaccines are nothing compared to the volume of particles the child receives with real diseases. I talked about this on SBM 
SBM, huh, maybe I better stick with calling it science-based medicine, with an essay called The Infection Schedule versus the Vaccination Schedule. Biochemistry is not the strong point of those who are against vaccines. As usual, they point to the presence of formaldehyde, ignoring the fact that the concentration in the vaccine is less than the body makes every day as part of normal biochemistry. The body makes an ounce and a half of formaldehyde every day. The net effect of the concentration gradient should be to remove formaldehyde from the blood and into the vaccine injection site. But in the upside-down world of homeopathy promulgated by many of the signatories, the less concentration, the stronger it becomes. And they point to, get ready for this, gelatin. Vaccines have gelatin. The horror, the horror. I always knew jello was bad, but I never knew. Not as dangerous as dihydrogen monoxide, a major ingredient in all vaccines that kills 4,000 Americans a year, 20% of them children. And dihydrogen monoxide is in all our vaccines. Think about the children. But come on. Gelatin? Really? Really? The Vaccine Council of Vaccinations wind down by emphasizing you do have the right to refuse vaccination and that doing so is a shameful, embarrassing, repellent act. Which is why, I suppose, they say, quote, vaccination decisions are between you and your spouse slash partner. No one else needs to know. It is not the business of your family members, your neighbors, or your in-laws, end quote. They recognize that you should be deeply embarrassed by denying vaccines to your children. Or, I think I'm reading that wrong. They conclude with a combination of advice on how to avoid vaccinations and how wonderful infections are compared to vaccines. Quote, babies are born with powerful natural defenses. If this were not so, all would die shortly after birth, which is why a lot of them actually die in third world countries. Enormous cascades of complex immune processes start with the first cry. This needs to occur naturally, as in death is natural, without the interruption caused by injections of toxic substances. It's better they get measles, for example, and die, or pertussis, and die. Learn about the, quote, vaccine-preventable diseases. Your children will never come in contact with most of them, and if they do, nearly all healthy and unvaccinated children recover uneventfully with long-term immunity. Don't care about the unfortunate few who die or suffer from long-term permanent damage as a result of the vaccine. Do not ask for whom the bell tolls. It's none of my concern. Health cannot come through a needle. Tell that to UNICEF. Quote, Almost 40% of all under-5 deaths occur during the neonatal period, the first month of life, from a variety of complications. Of these neonatal deaths, around 26% are caused by severe infections. A significant proportion of these infections are pneumonia and sepsis. Around 2 million children under 5 die from pneumonia each year, about 1 in 5 deaths globally. 
In addition, up to 1 million more infants die from severe infection, including pneumonia, during the neonatal period. Hmm, the neonatal period is that time when you're not supposed to die, according to the Vaccine Council on Vaccinations. Despite progress since the 1980s, diarrheal illnesses, such as norovirus, account for 17% of under-5 deaths. Malaria, measles, and AIDS, taken together, are responsible for 15% of child deaths. Yeah, that's an unimportant number of deaths. The industrialized West, having routed, at least locally, three of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, that would be war, famine, and pollution, pestilence, having retired in 1936 following the discovery of penicillin, have developed many interventions, including vaccines, that have resulted in a decrease in childhood infectious diseases. And not a one of these insights was discovered or implemented by the practitioners touted in the manifesto, not the naturopathic doctors, pediatric chiropractors, doctors of oriental medicine, and homeopathic doctors. None of these have been associated with the progress that we've had in this country in preventing childhood illnesses, which is multifactorial in origin. I, for one, do not want to return to the bad old days when, quote, in 1900, 21,000 smallpox cases were reported and 894 died. In 1920, there were 470 measles cases and 7,575 patients died. There were 148,000 diphtheria cases. 13,170 died. In 1922, 107,000 pertussis cases were reported. 5,099 died. Those who cannot remember the past are condemned to be against vaccination. George Santiana. God, what is with Bing today? Anyway, the Vaccine Council of Vaccination bids you remember, quote, learn about the vaccine-preventable illnesses. Your children will never come in contact with most of them. And understand that your children can be vaccinated and still contract the illness you are wishing to prevent. Which is it? Will they be exposed or won't they? I don't know. But a foolish consistency, in my case, is a hobgoblin of a little mind. And they finish with a not-so-subtle reminder that they take Visa, MasterCard, cash, but not Blue Cross. Quote, Knowing that health care is something you pay for, sick care is covered by insurance. Your insurance will pay for drugs and vaccines. Budget accordingly to stay healthy. Your life and our financial life depends upon it, end quote. The Vaccine Council of Vaccination concludes, of course, not with any primary references, but links to more websites. The Vaccine Council of Vaccination is the group that wanted to debate vaccines with the science-based medicine folks. Besides the fact that I'm a lousy debater, having lost every substantive discussion with my wife in the last 20 years, how can one debate the Vaccine Council of Vaccination? My assumption is always that those who hold opinions that are contrary to mine are not bad people. I presume good intentions. And since the road to hell is paved with frozen door-to-door salesmen, I need not fret about the ultimate consequences of their intent. Although, the Vaccine Council of Vaccination strains my credulity. I always feel 
like I am constrained by the truth as best I understand it. And a fidelity to reality is a handicap in any argument. It would be like debating the nature of the moon with Wallace and Gromit. Bad idea. Wallace had objective data to support his position that the moon is made of cheese, not the Vaccine Council of Vaccination. Non-overlapping, indeed. So that's the end of the 59th Quack Cast. I now have two books for sale. One is The Pus Whisperer, A Year in the Life of an Infectious Disease Doc, which is my Medscape blog entries buffed up and all the spelling errors removed. That's available at my website, as is the Infectious Disease Compendium, a Persiflazer's Guide, a clinical guide to the treatment and diagnosis of infectious diseases. Because the world needs more Mark Crislop. I think there's a significant number of people who probably don't realize that as a ironical statement. Be that as it may, thank you, and I will see you, I guess it will be QuackCast60, plus or minus three, the next time. Talk to you later, guys. Bye.